I want to talk to you today from my heart. I don't really, I don't really even feel like I should preach today. I feel like I, I just want to talk to you from my open heart. Is that okay? Yes. You know, recently I was trying to do my Tuesday night mentoring uh, group. I, I meet every Tuesday night for an hour on Zoom with my partners and just kind of pray together and I share the word. And I was really excited about doing John 14 through 17 because to me it's the greatest spiritual discourse there will ever be. And when I was getting my notes together and really excited about it, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. I heard it on the inside of my bones. How many know what I'm talking about when I say the Holy Spirit speaks inside you? Well, he said this to me. He said, 13, 13. Because <laughs> I was looking at John 14 through 17. And the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 13. So I went back and I read John 13, which many of you have done this many times, I'm sure. But when I read it this particular time, connected to the Lord speaking to me, 13, something happened to me. How many know what I'm talking about when I say it just was a little bit different and it performed a work on the inside of my heart? And I want to share with you a little bit about what the Lord was doing in me. So this word that I have for you today, it's, it's for me first, because I know my need more than I know anyone else's here. Uh, but it, I do believe also that this applies to every father in this room, every mother in this room, every grandmother, every grandfather in this room. If you're a, if you're a, a son or a sibling, a daughter, uh, uh, if, if you're a friend of somebody, if you are a manager or a leader, or if you're a pastor, a teacher, a student, an evangelist, if you see yourself to be a prophet or a missionary, whatever it is, I want to talk to you today about the heart of Christ. And not just the heart of Christ, but the very heart of what Christianity is. Um, you know, when I was reading through this, I saw many things in my mind about Christianity and about life that I didn't realize were wrong until a new light came into my life. Have you noticed that the Lord deals with you in levels of light? In other words, he says to you, you're doing such a great job. You've surrendered everything to me. And then he says, let me give you just a little bit more light. And then you say, oh, Lord, there's all this other stuff. And then you surrender that. And then the Lord says, you're doing so great. You've given me everything you have. Let me give you now a little bit more light. <laughs> and that's what the Lord did with me through this, this passage. So I don't feel like what I'm going to share today is, is just good advice. I don't feel like what I'm going to share to you today is, is just a positive way or a spiritual truth or just some, uh, you know, optional approach. I want to talk to you about who Jesus is and what he's actually life like and what that means for you and what it means for me. So John chapter 13, the scripture says this. We'll read this whole section here. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come and that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, he got up from the supper and he laid aside his garments Taking a towel, he girded himself. 
Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said, what I do, you do not realize, but you will hereafter. Peter said, never, Lord, you, will, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus says to him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my, my feet, but my hands and my head. Jesus said, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but it's completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you, for he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am so. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I want to call your attention to the fact that the scripture says that he loved them to the end. This is what I believe to be the very crux and core of the whole story is that it's an issue of love, that Jesus loved them to the end. And this also could be translated instead of love them to the end, it can be translated literally, he loved them to the utmost. And to say the utmost, that just means to the most extreme. Jesus loved them extremely. <laughs> he was so overwhelmingly affectionately connected to them. He was moved by them. His heart extremely loving them. The scripture then shows from this love, he washed their feet. This is the expression of his most extreme love and affection for them, a signal act of condescension and humility. In very fact, he takes up the work of a slave. He, he, his love is so great that it caused him to put on the cloak, if you will, of a slave. You see, the connection Jesus is showing us here is that service is an issue of love. When you love, service just flows out. It's because he loved he served. And this is the first thing that I wanted to point at. But it, it also says here that Jesus says, you do not realize what I'm doing, which shows me something that this is very difficult for you and I to understand. It's difficult for us to realize this kind of love that lays itself down, its own reputation down, its own prerogative down, and it puts someone else above. It's, it's very difficult for us to understand. It's hard for us to understand it. Not only that, but to accept it. And John, he goes out of his way to show us that God, Jesus knew where he came from. He came down from God and that he was going back to God. It's as if John was showing that he was the one that should have been being served. He starts out by pointing out the reason why Jesus should be served. He came out of heaven and he's going back to heaven. If anybody should be having their feet washed, it's him. 
So he starts with this, and I think he also starts with this to also show us that Jesus didn't just humanly forget who he was and do something out of character. <laughs> he actually is revealing who he is. Robert Gauvet writes about this passage, and he says, Jesus doubly showed his humility, both by what he put off and by what he put on. Jesus revealing his humility. In the washing of the feet, I see three things that are here. One, it's a sign of his character. Two, it's a sign of his work. And three, it's a sign of what he desires from us. <clears throat> what I mean is this, a sign of his character. Jesus says, you call me teacher and you call me Lord. He's saying, yes, I know more than you and I'm here to inform you of what you don't know. Yes, I'm Lord, I'm greater than you. And yes, it's your proper place to be worshiping me. I am teacher, I am Lord, so I am, he says. And because of this, I show you what I'm like. And he says, you are right. I am your teacher and I kneel to wash your feet. I think this is even more than a training. I feel like it's a manifestation of his very heart in a way that is so extravagant and so stunning that they'll never be able to forget this demonstration of slavery from love that Jesus reveals to them. I look at this and I'm, and I'm seeing that Jesus is trying to do something in order to say, this is who I am and don't ever forget it. This is who I am. And number two, it's, it's a sign of his work. Peter says, never, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part with me. It's almost as if Jesus is saying this, if you won't let me be this for you, there's no way for you to be with me. In other words, I'm the only one that can take this grunge off you. I'm the only one that can get this stuff off you. And if you don't let me be that person who cleans you, you will never be able to be with me. And anyone who's walked in this world for any amount of time with God knows that it's impossible to make it through this life without letting Jesus be this for us, the one who cleans us, the one who washes us. This isn't saying a need for a second justification. Even as Jesus was saying, you're already clean. He's, he's showing us that there's these daily washings coming to Jesus consistently to be cleaned, to be cleaned, to be cleaned, to be kept by him. D.A. Carson writes this, individuals who have been cleansed by Christ's atoning work will doubtless need to have subsequent, subsequent sins washed away, but the fundamental cleaning can never be repeated. It's these cleanings that the Lord tries to keep us clean before him. It's the same understanding that we see in John 13, Jesus washing their feet, as we see in 1 John 1, 9, where if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a continual dependence upon Christ that not only is he my savior, but I lean on him as my keeper. And I want to, to point out too that Jesus cleans them in the middle of the feast. While they're eating, he gets up and cleans them, which shows me a, a spiritual picture, which God cleans us while we commune with him. It's in communion with him that you find cleansing with him, which shows me also First John as well, where it says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin. It's this communion with God that keeps us. A man who runs from communion runs from cleansing. So if we, we, we stay there in cleaning and cleansing, we stay there in communion. If we stay in communion, we stay in this cleansing. And then lastly, it says in number three here, it says uh, that 
you know, this is what he desires from us. He says to them, as I've done to you, so do. I just washed your feet. So do that for other people. I just became a slave out of love for you. My love turned me into a slave service to you. He says, so that that I just did to you, do that. Which shows me this beautiful picture, and I always bring this out because I think it's a very uh, important spiritual truth. You can only do what Christ has done to you. You can only do unto others what you have experienced of Christ. This makes experiencing Jesus the number one need in Christian ministry. You cannot minister to others what Christ has not first ministered to you, even as you cannot reflect a light greater than what you've seen. So it is of utmost importance that we must experience this person, this personhood of Jesus, that we might be able to be that for others. And I see that this is the essence of what ministry is. Experience Jesus and then do what Jesus has done to you for others. It's, parenting's the same way. Marriage is the same way. How is Jesus a husband to you? Be that to your wife. How is Jesus a father to you? Be that to your children. So we see in what he is, we find what we are to be. What sticks out to me also in the story that we, that we just read is this, is that he does this on his last night with them, his last night with them. Uh, why is that significant? Well, you know, I often sit at my dinner table with my precious wife and my two lovely daughters, and sometimes I get overwhelmed with affection for them. I'm kind of notorious for this, and I'll out loud just say, I love you guys so much, and you're my favorite people to be with. Just right there at the, at the table, I'll just kind of burst out, and they'll all kind of laugh about it, but... Uh, the, the thing is, is that that emotion that I feel with my family, looking around at the table, grateful unto God for the seats now filled that could have been vacant, my, my heart goes out. And, and I can't help but think that that's something of what Jesus was feeling that night with his teary eyes at that table. And if you think about it, if it was my last dinner with my family, if it was my last time eating a meal with them, I would probably want to give them a word of love and encouragement to each one of them. Maybe present to them some type of a gift or something, or, or maybe even do something extravagant so they'll never forget it. Maybe stand on the table at our last meeting together, stand on the table and just say how much I've loved you my whole life. I would want to do something like this just because I love them. This is Jesus' last meal with them. And he's got this last moment to be able to do something extravagant, to show them his love, to express this overwhelming desire to communicate his love for them. And this is what he chooses to do. Praise God. Jesus waits to do this extravagant act until the last night. See, they've been with him three years. They've seen the glory of God. They recognize he's from above. Their respect and their honor of him is at its highest point. Now is the perfect time for him to reveal his clearest and most piercing lesson of all. Maybe he thought, what shall I do to really shock them? And maybe he recalled the chapter before, chapter 12, when they were embarrassed by Mary going down low and washing Jesus' feet. Did you know no disciple ever washed Jesus' feet? Only Mary did this. And when she did, they were embarrassed. So maybe Jesus recalled chapter 12 when they were embarrassed about such an extravagant, stunning display of love. And he said, well, you know what I'll do? Is I will do that to them. They were embarrassed of her washing the feet of someone who was worthy of having their feet washed. 
And so the one who's worthy of having his feet washed then washes those who are not worthy to have their feet washed. He even washes the heel that's going to be lifted against him. Praise God. Jesus is so good. So, so we see he, he, he then washes their feet. And, you know, I, I was meditating upon this passage in my room uh, and as I was, I was suddenly mentally aware of a small room. This is just, this is just personal. I'm bringing you into a kind of a personal thing that happened to me. But I was suddenly aware of a small room in which there was a round table on the ground. And Jesus and his disciples were leaning on their left arms and their feet were going out from the table on the ground. And, and I was in the room and I was looking around, watching them eat and talk. And I looked around to find out which one of them was actually Jesus. And when I located him at the table in this vision that felt so real, this, this mental image that felt so real, I was drinking in the sight of this, this human God man. <laughs> I was just savoring every detail of God in the flesh as he had with smiling eyes, heart love going out to each one of these disciples. He's looking at each one of them at the table. And then in a moment, he got up as if he had waited in his entire life to do this. And they looked at him wondering why he got up and he took off his garment and he clothed himself like a slave. And I saw them all in my mind's eye. They froze when he put on this garment. Like what in the world are you doing, Lord? It seemed as if they had a hard time even looking at him wearing this in this vision. And then he went, he fills up the basin, and, and instead of going to the disciples, he broke the fourth wall of the vision and he came straight to me. And I saw the Son of God looking up at me with these God eyes. And he asked me a question. He said, Eric, will you let me wash you? And this sight uh, just broke me, man. It broke me. Something happened on the inside. I cracked. And I've been, I've been literally oozing since that day. The Lord struck me and fractured me with a vision of himself. This kind God man who would desire to wash and serve me. I say this to say that this is his final example to them. His final example and his final example to them is to not think of themselves or their position too good or too great for genuine love service of other people. I look at this and I see this, this message that he's giving, and it is this, that they've operated in power. Soon they'll be the only people on the planet that walked in the flesh with Jesus, and Jesus knew how our hearts are prone to swell with high opinions of ourselves and so the lesson he has for them is this. If God is not too important, if God is not too important to serve them, then they are not too important to serve each other. The lesson is, if we think of ourselves or our position too high to condescend to others is to assume a rank higher than God. Because he got up from the table, as he got up from his throne, and he took off his robe as he laid aside his glory, he wrapped himself in a towel just like he wrapped himself in flesh. He washed their feet in service as he washed the world with his blood. He put on his clothes and then returned to his seat as he returned to his father to sit in glory. 
Gaudet, the, the great theologian, says this. He says, Jesus feared nothing for his church so much as hierarchical pretensions. You say, Eric, what does that mean? Well, hierarchical means rank, level, class. And pretensions is a claim or assertion or confident, forceful act into something or to be something. So what is it saying? He's saying, in other words, Jesus feared nothing for his church more than the confident, forceful claim to have a higher rank, class, or level than the others. Are you seeing this? I feel like Jesus, a sight of Jesus, should literally cause a complete leveling of everything and make us realize a humility service one to another. Jesus knew that it was far easier to approve humility and to admire humility than to actually practice it. You see, this isn't the kind of humility that does something humble in order that. Like a lot of people think of humility like a swing. If I'll go down, one day I'll go up. If I go down, then one day I'll be able to, 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 to. in other words, they stoop in order to rise. Their motive for doing something humble is so that one day they may not have to do that anymore. In other words, you wash feet right now so that one day you will never have to do that again. This is, this is not the kind of humility that Jesus is showing us. Matthew Henry says some people climb by cringing. In other words, they get higher in levels by doing things they don't want to do. But, but this is not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying to try to curry favor with your superior. Jesus is showing us pure humility that flows from real selfless love that says, this is what I realize to be the very thing that matters in life. I look at this and I'm stunned by the last statement. And this is where I'll close. Jesus says, if you know these things, if you know these things, listen closely to this. This is Jesus. He says, if you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. That hit me like, a, like he threw a brick at me. <laughs> it's great that you know this stuff, but the blessing, the happiness, the favor only comes upon you if you do these things. Theory is not enough. Knowledge is not sufficient enough to bring about the supernatural joy that Christ desires us to know. I believe with all my heart that to choose to lay ourselves aside for others will bring us into the highest experience of the greatest kind of existence there is, which is Christ-likeness. We must realize that misery follows those who don't do the things that they know. It's important for us to realize that pharisaical Christianity thinks that because we can preach these things and teach these things and know these things, that that's sufficient. But the truth of the matter is, is this, is that often we ignore the fact that we're not actually living this way or we treat, we, we treat this like it's kind of an option or something. But I want to I wanna suggest to you today that God wants to put in us a mind that prefers one another. That, that God wants to put in us a heart of patience and kindness and forgiveness. That God wants to give us a disposition, a disposition of compassion. That God wants to put in us a desire for humility and esteem for the place of supporting other people. The grace of harmony and the hatred for everything else because anything else is not God's wisdom and it builds something that God cannot call a home. If we're not going to live this way, if we're not going to minister this way, if we're not going to build this way, then we don't have a right to call anything that we do Christian. It is this that Jesus reveals to us to be the thing. 
So do this with me. Let's just, I feel the Lord has just said something real short to us. Just put your hand on your heart with me. Just say, Lord, can I ask you for something? Will you give me a sight of your humility that would crack me, that would break me open? I'm asking you for this because I want to be like you because I've seen you as you in fact are in your precious name.